So for our listeners, can you tell us who is Jackie and what is your connection to the pageant world for those who don't already know you and work with you? So hi, my name is Jackie Schiffer. I'm founder of Commit to the Crown Coaching. Uh, Commit to the Crown Coaching is based in New York City, uh, but I coach clients all over the world. Um, My clients have graced everything from their first local stage uh, to international pageants, including Miss Earth, Miss Global, and one of my workshop attendees um, has even graced the Miss Universe stage. When it comes to pageant coaches, how long have you been, how long have you been coaching? So I've been coaching formally since 2015, um, a little bit before then, but Prior to 2015, I was still a competitor myself. Oh, so was it hard to kind of balance both competing and trying to begin your coaching business? Um, Yes and no. It's always difficult, I think, when you are working very diligently towards a goal that you have and then also trying to like be an entrepreneur and really serve your clients well. Uh, But for me, I was ready to uh, have a pageant retirement at the ripe old age of 26. And uh, it just, (laughs) it's kind of crazy to think about now, but naturally in my life, it just really felt like it was the right time to um, step off of the pageant stage, um, focus more on my work as a professional actor and performer. But my love for pageantry uh, is really what inspired me to take my coaching business to the next level. I love it. I love it. And I love that you were a former contestant. And now becoming a coach. I think what we see a lot of now is people who have other types of skill sets, but not mm-hmm. having competing skills. So it's hard for them to, or at least tell me, how to be a pageant competitor when you're just like a, a speaking coach or yes. a consultant. So what is one thing that you can take from being on stage to give to your girls when they get on stage? What is like one of the key things that you can bring to them? Well, I really think it's the mindset, right? So there are many people that are actors and lawyers uh, very commonly that coach interview uh, for contestants. But really, unless you've personally been on stage, you don't know what it's like to not give the answer that you wanted for an onstage question or to be in the interview room and have that question that just really throws you for a loop. Um, and you haven't had that moment where you've had to lose gracefully on stage. Um, having been there myself, Uh, I really, I understand what the women are going through. And I think that even more so, I understand on a very deep level because I always joke, I was a how-to in reverse. Um, I was not someone who won my first pageant. It took me several tries, um, but I really discovered and learned a lot along the way. So what was it like working with Yashvi? And um, how do you, how would you, well, just start there. And then how would you help girls prepare for the Miss Earth system? So Yashvi is just such an incredible title holder. And I think that she really brought um, kindness, a lot of um, action with her platform and a real commitment. Um, My advice to women looking to compete in Miss Earth USA is really to develop your platform early and to get involved in your community um, because there are just certain things that you can't invent uh, when it comes time for the interview or the public speaking portion. Um, if you have done the work and you've been an advocate for the environment, it's really going to show. 
What is one thing that you would recommend to girls who are competing in Earth or any other other kind of international system when it comes to mindset and trying to mentally prepare for those bigger pageant competitions? I think it's really important to have goals, not only for your performance in the pageant, but just for your community and platform, and then for your own personal development. Um, you know, whether that is getting to a new level of fitness, a certain number of community service hours. Um, as much as we work towards the pageant, everything can't be about the pageant because even Miss Universe has to give up um, her crown after one year. So really it's thinking about that legacy mindset you know, what is it with this opportunity that you're going to do? True. And there's one thing that Ms. that Yasby, Miss Earth USA, mentioned on her episode. And for those who haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to it. Um, but I know she talked about doing a lot of work and that she was so passionate about um, cleaning um, national, um, preserving the national... National parks. parks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can't think of the word parks. <laughs> um but she mentioned a lot of work that she did ahead of time, like including the straws and going overseas. So I was super proud to hear from her. And I see a lot of people put in a lot of work for the earth system. Yes, they're, uh, they're an amazing group of women. So just going back to you, um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to coaching, what's your favorite part? My favorite part is watching people really grow and just step into themselves. Um, I remember, you know, back when I was competing, just, those first few times when you'd get your hair and makeup all done and it was finally time to like celebrate all of the work that you had done on stage and just what that moment had felt like for me. And to see other people have that moment um, is a really powerful thing. Yeah. And I think it's, that's kind of one of my favorite parts about pageants too is just getting beautiful and beautifying it up. It's like putting the icing on the cake of all this blood, sweat, and tears I had the week mm-hmm. leading up to it. It's really awesome to meet so many um, motivated women, too, from all over the world. I have clients as far away as New Zealand. Um, and so it's, it's just amazing. You, you see all of these women from different walks of life. They're rocking their careers. Um, you know, at the Mrs. level, some of them have families. Um, they're juggling jobs uh, and all kinds of responsibilities. And it just, it's, it's impressive. Yeah. Do you see a lot of that, too, with the actors and actresses you work with? So I, work, I work some with, um, I coach some actors and actors, primarily, like, teaching music. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, acting is a little different from pageantry in the sense that there is not a set date on when that outcome will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't sign up for an audition six months out. I don't know what's necessarily going to be auditioning. I just have to be ready for when that opportunity comes up. So like, I know there's always going to be commercial auditions in New York City. I don't know what brand is going to offer it or if they're going to need someone that's my type, but I do know that I have to have my reel ready and my website ready and really um, be focused and uh, ready for that audition when the opportunity comes up. So if you're always ready, you never have to get ready. True, and that applies to pageantry and to auditions. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of girls kind of really taper off during their quote unquote off season and have to do a lot of work to get back on? Um, I mean, there's definitely a busy season for coaching. I think that it really depends on the person, what system they're competing in and what their goals are. Um, You know, many of the strongest title holders and uh, clients I've worked with, 
they're really, their, their platform is not just a pageant platform. It's really a part of their lives. And so you'll see them volunteering and being a part of their community throughout the year. Um, I think it's always very telling after nationals, whether or not people continue to be um, involved in their community or if they, um, if they just stop making appearances. Can you tell if someone is like fake on stage? I can, yes. How do you know? It's just, I guess, being a communications expert and working with a lot of people in interview as well as being an actor, it's primarily on body language, uh, but also in vocal inflection and tone. Um, or if in an interview you ask a follow-up question and you don't get a really substantial answer. Um, we all know. We have intuition. It just, it's a really uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> It's very uncomfortable as a judge. You know, you just, you know, I'm like, you did not do this service project. Like, you can't tell me one person you met or, like, why you enjoyed it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. Huh. It, it is strange. Um, but, you know, there's a difference between getting nervous. <laughs> I will tell, like, our listeners, there is a difference between getting nervous and really not having done the, the work that you say. Like, people will lie sometimes on their paperwork. And that's just really, un it's just very uncomfortable. Really? Yeah, like, they'll say that they have had, um, you know, a certain job that they haven't. Or maybe, you know, they make it seem a little bit more than it was. And then maybe they forget that that's how they worded it on their resume. And they're like, what? Mm. Oh, I said I speak fluent Italian. I don't? <laughs> <laughs> so pro tip, don't lie. Pro tip, don't lie. Always be, always be ethical and fair. Or at least read over your lies. <laughs> well, that's actually one of my biggest things. Like, know your paperwork. Yeah. And I think, I don't know why, but I've only been surprised with paperwork once. And I think when the judges asked me a question on it, and I think that was my very first pageant. Because I hadn't seen it in so long. And I hadn't read it over it. Yeah. I mean, it's common with new, uh, with new contestants and the judges want you to do well. You know, when I see someone that is putting themselves out there for the first time, I want them to have a great experience. I want them to walk out of that interview feeling confident. Um, so, you know, the judges panel is not out to get you. And you're not under arrest. This is not an interrogation. Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> what is one of the biggest... Um beginning steps you start off with a client when you get a new client and they want you to coach them and maybe they had experience a little bit before what's mm -hmm. kind of where the first things that you start so I want to know what are the things that they feel are really special and unique about themselves because that's what we need to bring into the room um, and then really developing their platform if it's a platform-based system so figuring out like where they can start making appearances in their local community because I'm a believer that what really sets a contestant apart is like the things that you've identified that are very special about yourself and also uh, the work and the experiences that you've had. Like no one can take those things away from you. And that's really what sets you apart. Um, personally, it drives me crazy when um, I ask a contestant why they should be the next Miss whoever. And like, I'm very motivated. You know, spoiler alert, the other 19 women behind you are motivated too. <laughs> So uh, kind of break down the qualities part to it, the first part. What specifically are you asking women for? Is it more of like an internal evaluation of who they are? 
It can be. Um, it can either be um, you know, qualities or just simple things about yourself that you would want people to know and that are really unique about you. So like for me, I would say I work in you know, nonprofit. I'm an entrepreneur. I was trained as an opera singer. Um, I'm very committed to equity education and hunger awareness. And, um, you know, that I, if I was competing again, perhaps something else that really drove me to want to compete, like for that title. Um, but the reason why I have uh, clients go through that process is because many times we'll get very upset if a question throws us and it could be like, you know, what's your favorite book or what cartoon character are you most like? And people will spend in a three minute interview, like a minute and a half talking about a cartoon character. But if that's not aligned to your platform and what you really want, what you feel you really bring to the table, you have to be a little strategic. Yeah. So kind of like jumping in and jumping out of that question so you can kind of move on. Yes. I feel it. And then when it comes to developing a platform, what are some ways, like say your pageant is two to four months out Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, look at this pageant. Let me sign up now. How can you develop your platform in a short period of time? Because we know you can do it in a longer period of time, a full year. Yeah. I mean, I think that you need to think about it through three different lenses. So one is like actually doing like physical volunteer work, you being present and working with uh, the community or the cause that you have identified. Uh, The second is advocacy. So getting other people to volunteer their time or to sign a petition to call their Congress um, man or woman. Um, and then the third is fundraising. You know, is there an event that you can do? Um, like, let's say you're a photographer. Maybe there is a local coffee shop that would be willing to let you put up your artwork and sell it or have some type of fundraiser for the cause that you care about. Um, I think that it's best to kind of think about your platform and uh, those three tiers because there's really, there's something in one of those three areas, if not all three, that you can achieve in two to four months. Yeah, and I think it's it's real easy to kind of just put yourself out there and volunteer to begin with. Mm-hmm. The other two you mentioned requires more legwork on your end, but volunteering for the most part it should be one of the easiest things that all pet people can do. Everything else you got to put your mind to it. It's yeah. really important, actually, to be able to draw on those personal volunteer experiences as well, um, because what I want to know as a judge is what impact did you volunteering as a title holder have? How is Jackie Miss So-and-so different than like just everyday Jackie? What, what benefit um, does aligning the brand of the pageant have uh, with this cause have? Yeah, I agree. And I think that helps out too when it comes to um, your answers on stage. I believe yes. Tatiana Miss Universe her answer was based off her volunteer experience with the children of the slums of Philippines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you haven't done the work in the moment of truth, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to think of that. You're not going to be able to speak from the heart. It's very clear when someone, you know, with Katriana, we could really tell that uh, this was something that she really cared about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people came against her for her answer saying that she was making slum life I guess I don't know the correct terminology for it mm-hmm. that she was making it look better than it was because she said she saw the beauty in their faces so some people were like there's no beauty over here they're poor and then, uh, so someone who said it was sponsored was like she's just trying to make a good situation even better <laughs> you know I think that 
culturally, I would have to go back and listen to her exact answer before I would really make a comment. But I think that depending on like what part of the world you're in, like culturally, we speak about different um, circumstances in different ways. Um, and so I'm not sure if like the way that she referred to the communities that she was working in would be um, like culturally and politically correct in the Philippines. Um, but you know, I think that it's her prerogative to say that she finds beauty in her work, whether that's physical or spiritual um, or, you know, any other type of beauty that it, that she finds. Yeah. And it also, it really helps people like it kind of not only humbles you, but it brings you down to not like a queen status. You know, you're working in the field with mm-hmm. the people doing the grassroots help and it kind of brings you at their level so that you're not too of a hothead absolutely so i'm a, a huge advocate for volunteering for your platform mm-hmm. um also when it comes to competing on stage let's move on to because we talk about like development so moving on to like the swimsuit portion okay how would you suggest training for swimsuit and is it possible to to lose weight to win do you have to lose weight to win a pageant well, I think it depends on the pageant. Um, you know, there are certain systems that are very clearly open to all kinds of body types. And then there are other systems that just in the delegates that we're seeing every year on stage, um, there seems to be a more standard body type. Um, you know, I really personally for me, um, swimsuit was always, it was always a challenge. Um, but it, I think that really what it needs to be about as opposed to losing weight is really improving your level of physical fitness. Um, and to me, improving your level of physical fitness means doing so in a way that is healthy. Um, so making sure that whatever trainer you're working with is certified, um, making sure that whoever is giving you your food plan is a registered dietitian, um, and really working with that team of people. Um, so if you're feeling really run down, um, communicating that honestly and knowing when to take a break and not push your body to an extreme, um, it really, I think it needs to be a lifestyle and a quick fix isn't going to happen. You know, it's never a great idea in six weeks to try to uh, totally jumpstart your fitness and be working out six, seven days a week when you haven't been working out at all. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that might not even, you might not even look the best if you did that because you'll have no muscle no and you know everyone's body type is different and they respond differently and at different times in their life like just for fun I've been trying to do uh my old like pageant workouts and I've gained the strength back but I've noticed that my body responds differently to it than it did uh, six seven years ago when I was competing true true uh, so um what's your favorite part about watching a pageant Oh my gosh. Okay. I love the final crowning moment. I don't know, but like before, they're not just the actual crowning, when they're announcing like top 20 and top 10. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Again, it's like the body language thing, but I can just be like, it's her. It's her. <laughs> and I haven't even heard these people's <laughs> interviews, but um, I'm very, I really enjoy like having my own predictions and then like watching people's faces and reactions. Can you usually tell? who's going to win from like opening number or as they like slowly eliminate people. Can you tell like, okay, yeah, she's going to win. Yeah. She's definitely going to win now. As they, 
as they narrow, usually like by top five, I can tell who's going to win after I listen to the onstage questions, because it's really that person that's able to articulate a vision. Like all of these women are gorgeous. You know, they're, um, they're all in amazing shape. They all have on a beautiful evening gown. They're all representing like their state or their country and having the experience of a lifetime. But really that woman that's able to say like, hey, I've got that vision. Um, that's who ends up usually winning. Yeah. I'm never shocked. Like, I'm never shocked. Really? Really. Have you, um, so all the past Miss USAs, you kind of like, okay, I understand why they won. I do. Do Even though, like, you may have, like, your secret favorite. Like, if you go back and look at it objectively, you're like, okay, (laughs) I get it. I get it. Um, Do you have a favorite Miss USA or even a Miss Earth or national title holder? Let's see. I am a big fan of um, Kyra McCullough. I just think that what she has done for young women in science-related fields is really inspiring. Um, As an entertainer, Olivia Jordan, I think, is amazing. Um, As a Miss America girl, though, um, I always really looked up to Erica Harold, who was Miss America 2003. Yes. Yes, she's from Illinois, and um, I went to University of Illinois. Woohoo! Yay! Um, and she's an alum. Um, for Miss Earth, let's see. Of course, I have to say Yashvi. Um, Andrea is amazing, um, and Brittany as well. You know, all of our recent Miss Earths have been great. Uh, Nicole Velez, before um, the pageant ownership changed, um, Nicole Velez is an amazing title holder. I had the opportunity to interview her a while back, and. Um, I consider her to be a friend. Oh. Um, so you just mentioned how you went to U of I. I did. I went to Eastern Illinois University. Oh, awesome. So you're right up the road. Mm-hmm. Nice. And what do you think is one of the best parts about um, coming from the state? Coming from Illinois. Well, we come from a state that has such an amazing legacy. I mean, come on. We have Abraham Lincoln and Barack Obama. like and the Chicago Bulls legacy of the 90s like it just doesn't get much better than that yeah and we even Um, have um Majori Vincent she was Miss America 1991 and I believe she's the first African-American woman I know from the states to be Miss Illinois that's amazing I don't know about Miss America um history but she played the piano and she won the year I was born (laughs) ah so that's why I personally love her that's amazing. You know, I think that like in all seriousness, like coming from Illinois and like especially going to school in central Illinois, um, you know, we have um, I had grown up in the Chicago area, which is a large city, very like urban uh, mentality. And then like going to college in central Illinois, you just really see a very different side of life. And uh, it really opened my mind and expanded uh, my worldview in ways that I couldn't have imagined. Yeah, I totally agree. I kind of have the same background. Grew up in Chicago and in the suburbs. And mm-hmm. then going to Eastern, which is a little bit less students than U of I does. <laughs> it's a little smaller, yeah, but <laughs> still it's a nice campus. It is a really nice campus. And they show a lot of support for me. I appreciate that as an alum. I know they secretly awesome. are like, you know, good job, Brittany, worth our money. But they do show a lot of support. <laughs> That's why I really love it. But anyway, growing up in Central Illinois, you're like, it's, it's more it's cornfield it's more open and vast and you're just like you can breathe almost it's like look at all this space 
<laughs> the one thing I will say is like my first title was Miss Champaign-Urbana um, to compete for Miss Illinois um, in the America system. And that community rallied behind me. Um, it was really like just an amazing, amazing, amazing year being able to serve, um, to serve Champaign-Urbana. Yeah. Um, what year was it? It was 2011. <laughs> I feel like I remember seeing your picture because that's when I kind of started looking into the Miss America organization. Okay. So I think I remember seeing your picture or recognizing your name. I was committed to being like the best Miss Champaign-Urbana I could be. I, I did 52 appearances that year. How many? Um, 52. Holy cow. Yeah, I was really into it. Holy cow. Is that like one a week or is that like multiple a week for a short time? So some I would do multiple a week because when you're busy with like the state pageant, you can't really, as you get closer, there comes a point where you have to just switch over to focusing on the pageant. But I really wanted to be involved in the community. So my platform was hunger uh, awareness. I worked with the Eastern Illinois Food Bank and um, I did all kinds of different fundraisers, um, spoke to like women, uh, young women at a middle school that was located just off campus. Um, we had like a fairy tale ball at the Urbana Library, so promoting literacy. Um, it was just a really amazing experience. Aww. Yeah. It's kind of cool, kind of exactly what you're talking about in the areas. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend who was from Urbana at the time, too, so I went out there a lot. All right, so you know it. It's it's they're amazing, just an amazing community. What do you think about the direction that Miss America is going? And did you were you on the board of all two? Did you like having the swimsuit part removed or no? So it may seem like a strange thing to say because I was not when I was competing in swimsuit, it was hard. It was really hard. Um and it made me uncomfortable. Um, but I was disappointed to see it removed uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, first of all, Miss America's legacy is that it was founded as a, as a swimwear competition. It was founded in Atlantic City uh, to extend the Labor Day holiday. Um, and so I think that it's kind of sad that we've gotten away uh, from those roots. Um, the other thing though, on a larger level that I feel very passionately about is um, some of the rhetoric behind the removal of the swimsuit was about... Um, women, young women needing to be professional and seen as professionals in the world. Yeah. And I think that um, it's a dangerous message when we tell our young women um, that you can't be a professional and be in a swimsuit. Um, <laughs> it actually, it inspired me to dig out my swimwear photos, which I had never, ever like shown anyone. And I was like, I worked so hard for this and I'm so proud of it. And, you know, I'm a professional woman and it can be both. It can exist in both. But, you know, then um, on the other end, I do understand that there are women that push themselves to extremes and in an unhealthy way. Um, and I have had friends that competed, you know, with me that said that they were happy to see it go because it did push them to what they thought was an unhealthy extreme. Um, so, you know, perhaps they, perhaps the board will revisit um, their decision and think about ways to promote more body positivity, uh, more of a range in size, uh, body size on stage, and um, perhaps to rethink um, fitness and lifestyle, whether it's swimsuit or activewear or some other type of challenge. Yeah, I think it's important that we have something physical for pageants. Um, I think that's part of the best part about pageant prep is working out. It helps out you mentally, too. 
It taught me so much. And um, I mean, I am not an athlete. I was an opera singer in college. I hadn't played a contest. I don't think I played a contest sport since <laughs> 1994. Okay. Like I am not athletic, but it really got me um, out of my comfort zone. And, you know, since that time, like I'm not competing on the pageant stage, but I've done three half marathons and like the trainer that I worked with, um, she was this amazing woman um, who's based in the Chicago area. Her name is Stacy. And she just, her motto was like, you're stronger than you know. And, you know, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, um, just like what an amazing, what yeah. an amazing message. So true. so true. When did you decide to move to New York? After college, um, I relocated to New York City um, in October of okay. 2011. Was it to follow your dreams? It was to follow my dreams. Yeah, it was to audition and to like work on the business side of um, arts so organizations. For a lot of people who compete in pageants, you know, they all do kind of start off with using pageants as a platform to bounce their careers. And New York might, or mm-hmm. LA might be one of those destination places to go. Um, how, how was your first yeah. year? I heard that first year was always the hardest year for New Yorkers, new New Yorkers. Oh, yeah, it was really tough. I didn't know anyone when I came here and I didn't have a job when I came here. And so it was, um, it was really an experiment. Um, I learned so much though. I met so many different people that year and it really was just this amazing, um, amazing opportunity to like experience life in a very full way, if that makes sense. You know, you're just, you're doing all of these different things that you never imagined, meeting all of these different people from different walks of life and really getting to like start from scratch in a sense um, that you're writing a narrative very intentionally. Ooh, I like that. Would you encourage it? Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm leaving this small town of Urbana, Illinois, and I'm flying to New York tomorrow. I would say go for it. And I think that really, you know, the difference between uh, like quote making it uh, or, you know, deciding to go home is really just being willing. Um, for me, it was being willing to do a lot of different gigs and to just work a little extra hard. Um, I worked six days a week for most of the years that I've lived here. Um, but I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, I had some really cool opportunities. And nationally syndicated commercial. <laughs> Congratulations yeah. too, by the way, for that. Thank you. Yeah, it's no longer airing. I think it was airing in the Chicago area for a while. It's no longer airing, uh, but just what an amazing experience that was. And I, I really do always share that story that like, hey, I failed a lot of times before I booked that second job because I think that if you really want something, uh, you need to be prepared to work I for it. something too, to do something more than once and just to get better at it, even if you lose a pageant so many times, but you're getting better along the process. I do think it applies to pageantry. I think that um, sometimes it's important to like pause and reflect if you're consistently not placing at all. Um, you know, is it that you're not getting any guidance yet to help you? Or is it that you're listening to too much guidance and you're not able to make decisions for yourself? Like for me, um, it was the second. I was like listening to everybody's opinion. Like I was an opera singer and they're like, you should sing pop. I'm like, okay, I'm going to sing pop. But what Jackie does best yeah. is opera. And so sometimes it really is like different day, different judges, different outcome. But, you know, really thinking through um, how you are 
presenting yourself, why you're doing those things and getting very intentional again, um, you know, helps, I think. I love it. What would be a one message you would share for people who are considering competing in pageants for the very first time? I would take the plunge and get ready to learn a lot. Um, everybody is scared when they first start. Everybody worries about, you know, having a moment where they very dramatically fall on stage. Um, I promise it's not as dramatic as Dumplin' or Miss Congeniality. Um, it's just a lot of fun. And um, you'll meet, you know, you'll meet friends for life. Um, I have met many of my best friends competing. Yeah, same. I have too. It's probably as easier to meet friends through pageant world than like in real life. <laughs> it is. It's um, why so I thought after competing for like the Miss America locals that I was done. And then after I moved to New York, it was like really missing like people my age. And uh, they were doing a preliminary for U.S. International in New York. And I thought, you know, I've got this dress. Maybe I should try again. And, you know, spoiler alert, I didn't win the title and sunset <laughs> into the future. I placed as best non-finishing finalist though that day. And this, it was significant to me because there was no um, interview component for that state pageant. And so I had decided before that pageant that, you know, I'm not good at swimsuit. Like I get nervous in swimsuit. But that day I walked away with this revelation like, hey, maybe I'm not so bad at this. And oh yeah, what else in my life am I not doing because I've decided without trying that I'm not good. Um, so like even in the moments I've lost, I've won big time because if you can start looking at your life and your mindset, um, those are things that are going to carry you well beyond yeah. a pageant. It's really like a building block for womanhood to me. And I mentioned before on the podcast, but like pageants yes. help you do a lot of things that you need to do when you get older and in the real world from interviewing to trusting mm -hmm. yourself to staying physically healthy however you see fit to talking to people to even mm -hmm. talking about yourself that's one of the hardest things people to do is talk about themselves yep and you know interviews 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 in my time interviewing in new york city um there have been two times i think where i've like interviewed a lot for a job and not gotten it. Um, every other time when I've gotten in the room, I have you know, felt really confident and just really been able to deliver in a professional way. Um, and I think that pageantry really allows you to do that. You know, you know how to present yourself and how to look someone in the eye and how to really um, sell yourself mm -hmm. in a sense. So going back to your coaching, do you have any clients that you're working with mm -hmm. that we're going to see on television? I don't know, like in May or sometime. <laughs> Currently, no. Um, all of my clients are confidential. Um, even the ones that I share, like they're, I will frequently share on the Instagram, like different service opportunities, but it's always with permission because some people really like everyone to know. And then some people really don't want people to know yeah. it's a confidential thing. <laughs> it's always tough, but <laughs> I'm always cheering for my girls, whether I can do so publicly <laughs> or not. <laughs> um, what do you think about the Miss Earth system increasing their age to 27? Look, I think it's great. Um, I think that it is difficult uh, for young women um, 
to face um, aging. Like this past year, I turned 30 and I was very excited to turn 30. Um, but you start to look at the world a little differently. And I think that um, the longer that we can encourage women to just be empowered and to not, um, not have any, how do I explain this? To not have any hesitation about like going on stage and competing and following their dreams and not think like, hey, I'm too old to do this or, you know, I'm this age and I need to be serious about this. Um, instead of, you know, pursuing this pageant. It's a great yeah, thing. I agree. I'm excited, too. It makes me want to consider um, putting in my hat for the title one, one go around. <laughs> you, should, you should absolutely, absolutely give it a I try. I will. I think I will. And I'll probably work with you to do it. Mm-hmm. And for people who are listening, um, talk about your coaching services and what all do you provide and how they can get in contact with you. So I have um, a website, committothecrown.com. On the website, um, there is a monthly freebie. Um, So there are always different coaching resources that you can download um, and interact with the brand for free. If you follow me on Instagram, at committothecrown, there is Tip Tuesday that, again, uh, profiles free pageantry tips. Um, Beyond that, I offer private uh, coaching via FaceTime or in person if you're in the New York City area. Um, there is an at-home interview kit that's launching on March 1st, um, and that will be available for purchase through the website. You can download it and um, practice with my voice asking the questions from the comfort of your home. Um, and then I give workshops both in New York City and then um, sometimes at different national pageants around the country. It's like a dream career to just be involved in the pageant world and help girls' come tr- dreams come true. It's really cool. Um, last year, my business grew to four times the size. It grew um, beyond what I could have ever imagined. Um, Commit to the Crown was actually the method I used to train myself for that first local title in Champaign, Illinois. Um, and to think that a binder and markers, uh, that plan would end up you know, launching um, this business is just really beyond my wildest dreams. I feel so How grateful. can girls commit to the crown? Well, I think that it starts with committing to yourself, committing to your goals, um, setting those goals and really um, achieving them, Go, going for it. Um, so often we set a goal and we're like, oh, I can't do it because of this. Like if I have the money or if I lose five pounds or if I graduate uh, this or if I get this job and really like the time to start is now, um, you know, just really going for that dream and taking a step towards it every day. No one says you have to buy, you know, your evening gown tonight. Uh, but if you want to be the next, you know, miss whoever, what is one step you can take today that will help okay. get you there? And what are, what are some of the small things people can do? Because I think sometimes you tackle it as a whole. But what is something that you can do every day or something you could do tomorrow to start committing yourself to that crown? Well, I think really um, setting up your prep plan. So figuring out like, you know, interview and onstage question is just one area. What are you going to need to do like for your fitness? What uh, wardrobe needs to be purchased? Um, like just kind of outlining all of that and figuring out like setting a budget for yourself. Um, I like to encourage people to set a goal, um, like an appearance calendar. So setting out like different goals. Like if you want to be in the 4th of July parade, like a great time to set that up <laughs> is not July 1st. Um, <laughs> you know but like really like you're laughing but like you know people I think that with title holders because it is um 
it's a hobby. Um, yeah. It's a job, but it's also a hobby. And so it's easy to kind of get sidetracked. You're like, oh, darn, like I really wanted to do that, but I didn't plan it out enough. You know, sending some emails, like even if you can't volunteer today, you can figure out where mm -hmm. you'd be able to volunteer. You know, do you have to go for a volunteer orientation? You know, is there someone that you need to meet with ahead of time? Um, you know, getting all those little steps true. out of the way. True, true. And I like to always ask the guests on the show for a book recommendation. So we can always increase our intelligence and our IQ. So do you have a book recommendation for us today? All right. So I'm a huge fan of Laura Casey. Um, I just finished Cultivate and uh, her other book is Make It Happen. Um, so I would recommend Make both it of to our listeners. Is that her newest one? Yep. Okay. I got to put that on mm -hmm. my reading list. I've been trying to read a book, one book a week. Oh, that's great. You and I'm me trying, both. I'm I love trying. it. <laughs> oh, you know, but trying is half the battle, right? Because you could just quit and be like, oh, I don't have enough yeah. time to read the whole book. My thing is I have, I don't know, book commitment issues. I love to read, but I never like finish. I always read to like the middle of the book and then I go to the bookstore, I get lost looking for new books and then start a new book. And then I never finish that book. And then I just buy another book and then I never finish it. But I always start it. So I'm like, okay, I need to. Uh, we are like kindred <laughs> spirits. I have so many books. Like I used to sell them and now I just give them away in like the community bookshelf because it's like gotten bad. I've got my music books and I've got like my regular books. I'm like we need to finish <laughs> this book and we need to like release it back. Yes, I just universe. love buying books. I bought one yesterday. I'm like, man, I still have two. I haven't even like finished yet. Like it's like an addiction. There's nothing like going to a bookstore. I know a lot of people listening are like, what is she talking about? But, you know, for me, like there are two camps, you know, either people love their Kindle or their iPad. And then there's like camp, I need to hold the book. And I am like, camp, I, am I need to hold the book. I like book. to read with a pencil. So I like to highlight things. I need, to, I need it physically in my hand. Me too. I like to write in yeah. it, like write mm -hmm. notes to myself. I usually just like circle things. I try to read a book on my phone. I highlight it before, but... I like to just circle things, so when I flip through it, I kind of see what I was circling. We have experts, both from Illinois, love wine. Yep. And love pageants. And love pageants. Perfect. So do you have any um, positive affirmations you would like to leave with us today? Um, I would just leave them with one that um, one of my um, singing coaches left with me, and that is, you are enough. You are so enough. It's amazing how enough Aww. you are. You are enough. You are so enough. It's amazing how enough you are. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh, and I wanted to ask, um, today is, well, I guess it doesn't matter what day it is because it's the podcast world, but um, what was your pro tip for this past Tuesday? This past Tuesday? Oh, you know, this week, I think I do use Hootsuite to pre-plan them. But my pro tip, I believe this week was about eye searching. So the most obvious thing is when like people are thinking through their answer and they get all like googly eyed, they start looking on the ceiling, which is really obvious. And I always will tease my like teen contestants, I'm like it's not on the ceiling. Like the answer is not written on the <laughs> ceiling. Um, or people look down on the floor. Um, it's best to just gently look slightly down into the side and to like allow your eyes yeah. to search and roam all over. And I was also told that if you look up and to the right that you're lying. 
Do you know anything about that? Or if you look up and to the left, from the truth? You know, <laughs> I haven't heard that. Um, that can be a tricky thing because you know how in pageants we sit like kind of yeah. on an angle in the chair? Um, so I guess it would depend what angle you're at because otherwise you're like looking away or at the judges. But, you know, just always being mindful of your body True. language is important. True. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. I thought you Thank so you for much having me. About personal development, platform development, and who you are. And I'm glad that um, you reached out to be on this episode. And I love to get into the mind of coaches because we not, we don't understand what, how you. Sometimes you guys are the, the best or the hardest judges to impress. So, thank you so much for letting us tap into your mental. Thank you.